Hey, writers, join our first draft weekly writers club. We meet every Tuesday from 12 to 1 Eastern time. For more information, go to writingclassradio.com and click on the classes tab. I'm Andrea Askowitz. And I'm Allison Langer. This is Writing Class Radio. You'll hear true personal stories and learn a little bit about how to write your own stories. Together, we produce this podcast, which is equal parts heart and art. By heart, we mean the truth in a story. By art, we mean the craft of writing. No matter what's going on in our lives, writing class is where we tell the truth. It's where we work out our shit. Shit! (laughs) There's no place in the world like writing class, and we want to bring you in. We asked you to send in your unfinished essays. We didn't mean first drafts. We meant those essays you've been working on forever and ever and ever that you can't get to the bottom of. And so today on our show, we bring you an unfinished essay by listener Julie Chozelle, a writer from Keene, New Hampshire. Our goal is to offer Julie insights into how to finish her essay. Everyone needs an editor. Sometimes two. Okay. Can we just brag Um, about your, your publication today? You're in a magazine today. Online magazine. You got published. Woo! Yes, I did. Thank you so much, Next Tribe Magazine editor Jeannie Ralston. She was great to work with. Next Tribe is for women over 45, I think. Um, yeah, so today is January 15th, 2021, and I have a story out. It is exciting. It's awesome. I don't know. It's, it's yeah, well done. It feels good. Thank you. I was talking to Meg Poland. She's one of my students, and she helped um, edit the story that got published today in um, Next Tribe. And she was like, it is so much easier to edit someone else's story than to write my own story. And I wanted to ask you. Really? Oh, God, yeah. I love it. When you're writing your own and you're in your head and all these details are there, it's really hard for you as a, a narrator, a writer, to filter. So I think it's helpful. Editors... You know, editor yeah. the final editor. Now, now I'm – yeah, you're right. It's way easier to edit someone else's than to write your own. And also you're not precious about your own – I mean about someone else's stuff. Like you can kill their darling so easily. Like you can be like, what? Who cares? Get rid of that. Like you're not attached to their words. Yeah. So anyway, I do I, – I am so grateful and um, in love with our writing classes because of the editors there. And I, I'm really glad that they do it and – Oh, my point is, I think editing helps you. Editing someone else's story helps you become a better writer yourself. Yes. Okay. Yeah, no, that's so true. Getting in a class actually does too. And I will say that um, I have seen such growth and development from the the people that are in the, in the, just even the Tuesday class. The people who have commented, the students who have started commenting, their comments are different from when they first started. It's amazing, the evolution. I, I think it's really hard to get get better without uh, a class being in a class yeah. writing and edit yeah so it that's true it just goes to show that writing and editing are practices that that we can get better at we'll be back with julie Chozelle's story after the break i'm allison langer and every tuesday from 12 to 1 eastern time i host first draft it's a class kinda because you'll get a little bit of instruction, but mostly it's a group where you come together with other writers online, write to a prompt and share what you wrote. It's the only way to get better. Come join me. Check out all our classes at writingclassradio.com or go to patreon.com slash writingclassradio to learn more. Have you ever thought, I'd love to have a podcast just like this one? Well, I can help. 
My name is Matt Kundle, and everyone at my company, the Sound Off Podcast Network, had a hand in making this show. Whether it was about the sound, the discoverability, or that you're just enjoying the show, we are all about the detail. If you think you have a podcast in you, reach out to me via email, matt at soundoff.network. Or check out the website and become one of the great podcasts we work with at soundoff.network. We're back. This is Allison Langer, and you're listening to Writing Class Radio. Up next is Julie's submission. Raw and unedited. Each night, after days filled with wiffle ball, sticker books, spying, and MTV, I regaled my mother with the countless ways she and my dad might die. Cancer, heart attack, car accident, murder, stroke, quicksand, drowning, stairs. My mother, an ambassador of both anxiety and humor, perched herself on my bed. Don't forget electrocution, she might add, followed by good night and I love you more. Christmas season wasn't complete without a viewing of Gremlins. My mother howling as Phoebe Cates' character told the story of losing her dad on Christmas Eve, breaking his neck within the walls of their chimney dressed as Santa Claus. Where's dad? What's that smell? She and her mother wondered, discovering in a single moment that her father was dead and Santa wasn't real. Even I couldn't imagine anything worse. Or so I thought. In the late evenings, my mother would set up shop at the kitchen table, curling her hair and smoking cigarettes. Her technique was a mashup of traditional pink rollers and a procedure possibly of her own invention, pulling a section of hair very tightly, spraying it with water first, then hairspray, finally twisting and matting it to her scalp in a tight coil, securing it with a handful of bobby pins. To complete this act of torture, she'd wake before dawn to painstakingly reveal the results. A blonde triumph of symmetry, a perfect middle part with two inverted volutes resting just above her shoulders. Once a year, until I was old enough to physically resist, I also endured this ritual. Every picture day, I transformed from the picture for the bad news bears into a miniature Barbara Walters, camera ready and looking for answers. It wasn't uncommon for her to surprise me at school with warm fried chicken that we devoured in her car while the rest of my class roamed the playground. If I sighed with just enough melancholy, she'd run inside to grab my things, informing my teacher I was done for the day. Save from an afternoon of dodgeball and math, we took refuge in her bed, reading books and eating chocolate ice cream cones. Decades later, when it was discovered that an increasingly painful area in her abdomen wasn't the gallbladder infection I so hoped it would be, we returned to her bed, ice cream cones in hand. Even my boyfriend of two years, Tyson, couldn't resist. Like her, he grew up in Connecticut, just minutes from her hometown, and they spent hours discussing their shared yet different history as he pulled up map after map on his smartphone, an invention still new enough to impress. He pointed out his favorite ponds and rivers for canoeing, and she told of how some of those very bodies of water flooded her town as a teenager, a story I had heard with every visit to our grandmother's house. Those maps represented another uncertainty. Tyson, an avid outdoorsman, had crafted a life that afforded summers spent 
guiding canoe trips for a summer camp, that year's being the pinnacle journey after a decade of expeditions. My mother's official diagnosis, stage 4 colon cancer, came in April, with her final hospitalization surprising us all in May. As he agonized over his plans, his mother clarified the situation for him in a way that only a mother can. If you stay, it's unlikely you will regret it. If you leave, you probably will. I shared his decision to stay with my mother. Oh, thank God you're going to be okay, she cried. One less box to check. She died just weeks later on the day he was originally scheduled to leave for Canada. Instead of navigating the rivers of Ontario, Tyson spent that summer trying to convert unsuspecting moviegoers and farmers market shoppers into wind energy consumers. On weekends, I'd watch from a bench just a few feet away, too grief-stricken to be alone, always mesmerized by his ability to win people over. Not just anyone convinces a stranger to hand over their social security number before the 8 p.m. showing of Inception. We were engaged that Christmas, and spring returned with another ticking time bomb. Five months before my wedding, my father's heart stopped, bringing him within an inch of his life, a status he maintained until his death nine months later. Now, with him unable to attend our wedding and unsure how to address their not-quite-equal absences, I turned to Google. Some people put an empty chair with a rose on it in front of the ceremony to symbolize those we are missing. We could have one chair with a rose and then one with a half-dead rose for my dad, I told Tyson, causing him to nearly choke on his food with laughter, a reaction that only made me love him more. My father watched the ceremony via Skype. When it was over, we took a moment to speak with him directly, Tyson supporting me at the waist dinner, fried chicken, was being served at our sweetheart table, and as we said our goodbyes, my father held up a sign he had made with the help of his nurses. Love you more, it read, and with that, my husband and I began our first dance. When I, well, first I want to say this, just to be clear, this narrator sent in a story that she finished, that she's worked on many, many times, and she's being brave because what we don't usually do on Writing Class Radio is say things that might be negative, but we're going to today because we're going to just pull it apart. We're going to say what we love and don't love and when we fell asleep and what's wrong with it and why it's great, everything. Yeah, yeah. But I got to say right off the bat, like, I don't know if this is a great candidate. I I mean, I thought this was pretty dang good. So I, what? I just... Are you serious? Uh-uh. Yeah. No. I thought this, it was good. This story needs some work. Of course it needs work. What story doesn't need work? I mean, even the ones we read that have been published, we always say, oh, we need to make some cuts because every editor has their own opinion. So... Okay. But here's the problem with this story, which I think is pretty much the problem with almost every story until it's completely done. It isn't clear what this story is about. Last time I listened to it and I heard the very end, which I thought was beautiful. The narrator is dancing with her husband, their first dance. So here we have at the very end of the story, this new beginning. And so when I heard that, I thought, oh, okay, this story is about moving on after your parents die. 
Is that what you think it's about? Why Not really. Dancing? I didn't think it was moving on after your parents died. Now that you mention it, I guess it could be, but that would have to be set up differently. Um, yes, because there was no setup. I did not know what I was supposed to be listening to, where it was going, what was important, why Why did I care about maps, what's this, why, you know. I did actually <laughs> think it the setup was good, but not for that. I thought she was setting it up that her mom was going to die, and this was going to be about her mom and her mom's her relationship with her mom, but then her boyfriend comes in, and it's all about him. And I was like, wait, why am I learning all this about the boyfriend? So that's where the setup is really important because what story does she want to tell? She could probably tell 10 different stories with this essay, but she's got to figure out which one. So what did you think it was about? And this is something that we always ask every class, every story. What is the story about? I mean, I just felt like it was a story about her losing her parents as she's trying to move forward. You know, like she's trying to get married and ha start a family. And I don't know. I mean, I just didn't think it was over. That's why I was like, wait, that's the end? Because I didn't – I feel like she let us off in the middle because we still aren't sure why we care, what's going on. It's not right. clear. That's exactly how I felt. I do think she's a really good writer. Yeah. And she's able to paint scenes. And she has a beautiful voice. And she also has a very voicey voice. Like she's funny. She's funny from the very beginning. Her mom, she shows how funny her mom is, the, the half-dead rose. Like, she's just, like, really fun and funny. Okay, so from the beginning, I want to give this note to Julie. Right away, she goes into a list of ways her mom could die, which I loved. I thought those were so funny. But the way I think a list works best is to start with, like, the most moderate or mild and then ramp it up and then end on the strongest in the list. So in this case... I thought she should end on quicksand because quicksand would be like the most dramatic, bizarre way that her mom might die. Okay. Then she brings in the Gremlins movie, which I thought on second listen, I was like, oh, I get it. The dad in the movie died while he was trying to pretend that he was um, Santa Claus. I mean, that's totally like bad. Like that would go on her list after after quicksand then we get to a scene where her mom is doing her hair so it's a really beautiful scene it conjured up to me like this sort of old-fashioned woman but why did she bring that scene in how did that scene if the story is about and what I think it's about is about learning how to move on without your parents how does that scene push the story forward okay then we see the mom coming to school to pick her up Great scene there because um, we do see what the mom is like there in relation to the daughter. And I guess you can make that case for the hair styling too. Then we see her with the fried chicken, which comes back later. And then they're in bed with ice cream, which also comes back later. And then this is where you got confused, right? Because now Tyson comes in. So and I'm like, like, why do what? I care if he stays or goes? Like, how does that serve the story? Yeah. So... I, do, I think that the main um, problem with this story, which is a main problem with so many stories, is there's just too, too, too much. And some stuff has to be taken out. It's like whittling a piece of wood. And that's what we talk about a lot. Or like, right, carving a statue out of marble. Like you have to take out what's not necessary so that we see what is necessary and one place where I where that happened was like the mom died and then 
suddenly we were like still flying along in the story. Like I didn't even, I, I was like, wait, the mom died? And then I didn't even feel it. It was so busy. Do you remember the mom dying moment? Yeah. Um, the thing is, is that I would leave it in there until she figures out what she's trying to say. And then if Tyson is, needs to be in there and that scene needs to be in there, it needs to be tied back. You know, maybe there was a point where she couldn't stay and then he stayed and he, you know, the mom was happy because she was familiar with him. I mean, I don't know. Why is it important for us to know he stayed? The mother actually felt like, yay, Tyson made the right decision and my daughter is going to be taken care of. So that, that was there, but it was like buried. It was buried in like a million other details. Um, like the maps. She actually did say that the maps were, um, they, something about the maps and uncertainty. And that's good. Like that's a good hint. The maps represented uncertainty and like there is no certainty. People are going to die. I feel like by taking out some of the other stuff, that, that could gain more weight. Yeah. No, the point is, is when you're, somebody's thinking about your story or being drawn into their story, they're very single-minded. They need it to be slow and go. So if it starts branching off, it's hard for the mind listening to it to come back. Like if you're reading a book, you can go, wait a minute, I just kind of checked out for a second. Let me go back and read it. But when you're hearing it out loud, you can't. So, you know, you've said this a million, million times. What you write on paper sometimes needs to be uh, edited for the ear. So that also could have a point in this story. Maybe if we read it, it may have stuck with us better, but it's not even sticking. You're mentioning this stuff and I'm like, oh yeah, that happened. I'm like, I just tuned out because I was trying to get to what is this about? And I have such a small attention span. And I think most people do that. You got to get to it. So just do one tiny story at a time, even if it means my mom's going to miss my wedding. Okay. Well, why do we need to know about your husband? Tell us, be direct because I'll miss it. So basically, Allison, what you're saying is every narrator has to figure out what their story is about. And then once they figure that out after a few drafts, the, everything they include in their story has to move that story forward so that we land. And if this story is about, you know what, I'm going to have to move on without my parents and I can, then it lands on the first dance with her husband. But she has to know that that's what her story is about. And then she has to drop hints along the way so that we're led to that conclusion. That's just my thinking. I don't know what she was trying to say. Ah, that's the hardest part. Yeah. No, for sure. The ending's the hardest part. And trying to figure out what your story's about is the hardest part because the, the ending kind of has to tell that. All right. Well, that's what I have to say about um, Julie's story. She's brave. To send that I in know. to us. I mean, like, we're two bitches in a box. We're nice when we're talking about stories, but, um, you know, occasionally we're not nice when we're talking about our own stories. So they know that there's a chance that we're going to be tough. So I don't want Julie to get discouraged. It's coming especially to you. I think I'm a little bit more like, eh, if you got this right in that way, right, and you kind of wrapped up the end well, I'm like, yeah, it's pretty good. It's good. Let's do it. Um, yeah. but you're hard, you're hard to get one by. So don't but give is that, a, is that bitch? Am I a bitch? I mean, I don't mind if I'm a bitch. I mean, if you think I'm a bitch, I mean, I don't love th- you thinking I'm a bitch. I mean, I am obviously like a perfectionist, but am I a bitch? Well, it's all perception. 
Okay. I love Allison you. thinks I'm a bitch. <laughs> Just the right kind of bitch. Woo! <sighs> Takes right. one bitch to know a bitch. <laughs> well, no one's arguing that you're not a bitch. Okay. <laughs> and it is true that we may have um, read the word volutes and die laughing. <laughs> Maybe. It's easier to make fun of her than to be like, oh, shoot, look how smart she is and how dumb we are. Right. Exactly. What's it mean? Volutes are spirals. Have you used it since? Yeah, I use it all the time. Um, Do you see the volutes coming out from my hair puffs? How about my volutes? (laughs) My, yeah. Anyway, thank you for listening, and thank you, Julie, for sharing your story with us. You are very brave, and um, we really appreciate it. A little about Julie. In 2017, Julie Chozelle left behind her 14-year career at a tech startup in New York City to move to southern New Hampshire to focus on family and her nagging compulsion to write. Her blog, Weekends Around, features personal essays and recommendations for travel throughout New England and occasionally beyond. She is currently working on a memoir. She's also very lucky to be a mom to Emma and Lucy, two little girls who make her heart sing. I wonder what song. (laughs) Writing Class Radio is produced by Virginia Laura, Andrea Askwitz, and me, Allison Langer. Social media content is by Mia Pennycamp. Our theme music is by The Amadians. Additional music by Poddington Bear. There's more writing class on our website, writingclassradio.com, including video classes, stories to study, and editing resources. If you love the show and enjoy all the extras on our website, hit the support us button. We like to know you're out there and that you care. And check out the writing classes and publishing insights we're giving our Patreon supporters. $10 a month gets you an all access pass to Andrea, who can answer all your publishing questions. $25 a month gets you a writing class a week with me and Andrea's publishing questions. My classes are on Tuesday from 12 to 1 Eastern time via Zoom. We write to a prompt and share what we wrote. A new episode will drop the first Wednesday of the month, so look for us. There's no better way to understand ourselves and each other than by writing and sharing our story. Everyone has a story. What's yours? I'm Jeff Woods, and I'm shining a light on music and the rock stars who make it. He just was one of those people. He, he stood out. He was a magic guy. He really was a magic guy. All, we all have force. He had the same amount of force as we all had. This was before Led Zeppelin. Robert was full on. I mean, he was Led Zeppelin without the band behind him. He had the hair, the jeans, the whole thing, you know. And he was amazing. The Records and Rockstars podcast. Heard around the world and yours to hear wherever you get podcasts. All the episodes from JeffWoodsRadio.com.